Welcome to the Rebel Souls podcast, where we flip the middle finger to the status quo. I'm your host, Shelley Paxton, lifelong rebel, liberator of souls, and author of Soulbatical, a corporate rebel's guide to finding your best life. Settle in as we dive deep with badass leaders who are rebelling for what matters most in life, business, and the world at large. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get this revolution started. This is a Soulfire production. Hello and welcome back, my fellow rebel souls. Ah, it's so good to be in your company. I know I say this, but thank you for spending this time with me. Thank you for taking an hour, sometimes longer. You know, these conversations, I just always want it to be a vibe like you're dropping in, like almost eavesdropping on a badass conversation amongst soul friends, soul sisters, soul brothers, soul sisters and soul brothers, all of it. And that's the vibe I've created. And it sounds like you guys are feeling it, which just lights me up from the inside out. And I'm grateful. I'm beyond grateful. This is my favorite part of my job and spending this time with you and getting to share all these incredible people who, you know, no coincidence have been coming into my world. The brighter I shine my light. And I want to be a role model and an inspiration for you guys. And role models and inspiration is a big part of the conversation that I had with Jason Harris, who I'm going to introduce in just a second. But before I do that, I want to shout out to a listener. I challenged you guys to share how you're feeling about the podcast, write a review on your favorite pod platform and share it with me. And I love the feedback I'm getting. And I wanted to share from Arielle Corey. I hope I said that right. One of the latest reviews on Apple Podcasts. It says, pure gold. Shelly is without a doubt one of the most inspiring, epic, golden human beings I have ever encountered. This podcast leaves me feeling ready for the most soul-filled life possible. Here for this and all that you create. Thank you. With lots of exclamation points. A woman after my own heart and soul. Exclamation points all the way. If anyone tries to tell you, you have to limit yourself couldn't find my words for a second. Limit yourself to just one. Remember, you're a rebel soul. You can use as many exclamation points as you want in your fucking life. There you go. So thank you, Arielle. DM me so I can find you and send you some rebel swag that may or may not include a fabulous rebel souls mug. Oh my God, favorite mugs. We're sending these out to our guests, you guys, and they are loving them. So I want more of you to have these in your lives, in your house, in your world, Um, you know, to show off the fact that you're part of the community and to remind people that you're a rebel. Sometimes if you're like me, you look at it, it's to remind yourself in the morning while you drink your coffee that you're an effing rebel. So there we go. I love it. I now want to talk about Jason Harris. 
He is one of the most soulful humans I've ever met. And as I say in the beginning of this conversation, he, I got introduced to Jason through Lindsay Stein, who's his life partner. Lindsay has been on the podcast. She's the CEO of Today on Brave. If you have not listened to that episode, please dial back into the archives and listen to her rebelling for bravery. Our conversation is incredible. Uh, but first, listen to this one. Just, you know, cue that up for later. Um, there's so many things I want to say about Jason and this episode. And I'm also challenging myself to try to be a little bit more brief in these introductions. What I love about this is we don't talk about what Jason does. I'm going to give you the what he does and all the accolades that he's gotten and the incredible freaking impact that he's having in the world um, by literally flipping the middle finger to the status quo in advertising, in business, in creating his company culture, in doing good and giving back to the world and for big causes that matter that he does pro bono work on all the things we get into all of this. So I'm going to read a little bit of his bio, which I rarely do, but I think this is, I think this is worthwhile. So Jason's the CEO of the award-winning creative agency called Mechanism. That's Mechanism with a K. And he's the co-founder of the Creative Alliance, which is 100 strong now. It's, it's creative agencies and others in the industry who are banding together to do work around really powerful causes from anti-racism, you know, all the way through gender equality and educational access and civic engagement and you name it. He was one of the founders and you'll love the story that he tells around how he got into this philanthropic work to begin with. Hint, hint, has to do with Joe Biden himself, our own president. Um, but his his company does work for iconic brands from Peloton to Ben & Jerry's to Miller Coors, HBO, the United Freaking Nations. And the list goes on and on. And the awards that these guys have won are crazy. They include Ad Ages Agency A-List, twice nominated best places to work. And after you listen to this conversation, you'll understand why I'm a huge believer that, you know, organizations are only as conscious as their leaders and only as soulful as their leaders, which may have something to do with my second book, which we talk a little bit about. Um, and you'll understand why. They've also made creativity magazines, creative 50, Jason himself has been named top 10 most influential social impact leader. Um, and they, he's been nominated to the 4A's list of 100 people who make advertising great. And if that isn't enough, a lot of the stuff that we talk about and his methods and his way of being are the subjects of some cases at Harvard Business School, you guys. Like, how crazy is that? So Jason and I dig into it. But what I love about him is we talk about who he is and what led him on his own soul journey, what brought him to write the book we talk about, which is his first book, not his last. It's called The Soulful Art of Persuasion, The 11 Habits That Will Make Anyone a Master Influencer. And what's really important to know and why I love this conversation so much is you guys, this isn't a business book. Yes, of course it can be. 
and there are incredible lessons and you know principles and practices in here that we can apply to business. And more importantly, it's really about living a soulful life and about being more engaging and more persuasive and more impactful in your life. And uh, so much juiciness. So just to give you a little indication, I mean, we talk about what it means to be soulful. What does that mean to Jason? And what does that mean in his life and in business? And what can we learn from it? He talks so eloquently about what he calls the pull of positivity. And this is where now President Biden, then Vice President Biden comes in and Jason tells a powerful story about how Biden really brought him into the into you know doing good and the power of philanthropic work and using your skills to have true impact in the world that's beyond profit um yeah and making time for ourselves what does that look like for him he's a busy guy who wears a lot of hats including father including partner including author including ceo and many many more you know philanthropist so many more how does he make time for himself and carve out time to nurture relationships not letting relationships drop to zero is one of the principles he talks about that i think is so powerful and how we can use our own skills to do good in the world. And you know, Jason talks about his own journey and some other people who are doing this and makes it really simple. My mind is already moving a million miles a second thinking about my skill set and my passions and where I can make a bigger difference in the world beyond what I do for profit and what are some of the not-for-profit ways to extend uh, sabbatical in this rebel souls universe to people who really need it. So I'm sure more to come as I marinate on that. I can go on and on and on. There's so much juiciness. So we talk about music is very big in Jason's world. So we get to learn from David Bowie, what David Bowie can teach us about the power of owning our weird this all starts with being an original, you guys. It's it's like a page out of the Soulbatical handbook. Jason and I are so soul aligned and our work is so aligned. I know you're going to love this and walk away with some really practical tips to how you can bring it into your life and your work and be more persuasive in everything you do and in every facet of your life. So with that, let's dive in to my very soulful and juicy conversation with Jason Harris. Enjoy. My friend, Jason. Jason, what's up? Oh my God. I feel like, can I call you my friend? Because I feel like we're like soul brother and sister now. I mean, we both, we both are on the soul journey. So we have to call each other friends. Yeah. The soul journey. Yes. We have to call each other friends. We are soul friends, soul brother and sister. I want to say to everybody listening that I met you through my old friend and now current friend, Lindsay Stein, who was also on the pod your life partner who I adore. And if anybody's listening and you haven't listened to the Rebelling for Bravery episode with Lindsay, like pop it in right after you listen to Jason. Yeah, so please. Good. After this one. After this yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> let's let's do this one first. Jason gets bragging rights. Um, but no, I'm so like we were talking off camera, like what it was such a gift that keeps on giving to reach out to Lindsay, be reconnected with her and then meet you and be able to dive into your work and your amazing book, The Soulful Art of Persuasion, which we're going to dive into as part of our conversation. So thanks for saying yes. Of course, I, I was I'm psyched. I've got the Rebel Soul mug. I'm drinking some coffee from it. Cheers, brother. That was that was a nice gift that I got before I started this podcast. Oh my God. So, yeah. And I, you know, and you're like the quintessential marketer. You're so good at this stuff. We'll talk about your work with mechanism and like the journey that led you to write this book and be the soulful human that you are. I can't wait to dive into all that. So just you appreciating this is like, oh my God, I got the Jason Harris stamp of approval. I mean, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, you know, one of my, one of the things I talk about is, is generosity and, and giving gifts, you know, not, not just giving things away, but, uh, but other gifts like time and connections and uh, yeah. your network away. And, but when you get something like this before you do a podcast, it just brings a smile to your face. And, you know, I, I know that we see things the same way. And so, it, you know, it was awesome. Oh, Rebel good. Soul Mug, free Rebel Soul Mug. Uh, who, who wouldn't want that? Well, exactly. And and you're like a Rebel Soul icon. So this is like just, I, I here, like for two seconds, I'm going to do until they slide off my sweaty face. I'm going to match you in the glasses game. <laughs> like, I love those glasses. I just, I love your whole look. It's amazing. Oh, it's like you've got, yeah, you've got, you've got such a, you know what, when we live our truth, and this maybe is a good entry point into like whatever journey we're about to take together, the soul journey we're about to live live. I love like without even knowing you, I had heard you. We'd done some of the brave talks with Lindsay on Clubhouse. Then I started diving into your book. I've seen you before, but this is the first live interaction you and I are having. I'm like, I just like, like you are your truth. You are your brand. So I love that. Thank you for reminding all of us. Like I call people like you soul models, <laughs> like oh, you're I living it on I your sleeve. That. I love that. And it's, it, it, it's a, it's a, takes you a while to get there. It takes yeah. you a while to figure out. And that's uh that's, well, we'll get into it when you ask the questions, but that's sort of one thing that I, I'm a big champion of is, is this idea of, of finding out who you are and being your true self. Okay. I want to start there. I'm going to ask you, you know, the question that I start with every guest is what are you rebelling for? And then let's unpack this shit. <laughs> let's unpack this shit. So I, I really have two things that I don't know if that's allowed on the podcast. You're a rebel. Hello, All read right. your mug, dude. You're I'm gonna, good. You're I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to be a rebel. But I, I firmly, you know, the, the book's based on four principles I believe in. But the foundational one and what I'm really rebelling against in my personal life and work in the extra side hustles I do like the book is really this idea of uh, everyone being their true original and really being who they are. Um, and it's very uh, hard to do, especially when you're younger, it gets easier as you know, when you get older, but identifying what your story is going to be and who you are, the things you believe in, the role models you follow and identifying that core uh, aspect of, of, your original self. And when you're original, that comes through in so many ways. I mean, you, you talked about it 
at the start of the show, but it comes through in so many ways. It makes you a much more soulful person because it's coming from your gut. It's coming from your belief system and you're not showing up one way at work and showing up another way when you go visit your family and another way when you're out on a date. You're, you're always this original person and you're always tapping into that. And that can be, you know, inspiring to other people. So that's one thing I'm rebelling for is people being their original selves. And the second is this idea of how, how I define um, people being soulful is about giving back and doing something for the greater good. And Mm. that really makes you, an inspiration and it gives you influence. My book's all about persuasion and sort of taking the sting out of that dirty word by adding the soulful persuasion to it. And that's really about um, whatever skills you have trying to do something uh, for other people and giving back. And that to me, those two, those two things are what I'm rebelling for. I love it. I love it. And you could have said three if you wanted to, because this is really like, getting more and more of us to rebel for what matters most to us. Let's start with what you said. I love how in the book you start here and it's good because I wanted to like unpack a little bit of who is Jason Harris, right? And like, how, what did that journey look like for you? So when you talk in the book about really embracing your weird and wonderful self, like those words. So that's what you mean by original, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. can, Can we talk about... Let's start with you before we get to the book. So who, you know, who is Jason Harris? Like, I know ours, I think of our soul as like our truth, our essence, our knowing. Like, how do you think about it? And how would you capture who is Jason? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I the, the whole idea to me about original is, is be yourself. Everyone else is already taken. It's about knowing your personal idiosyncrasies. It's displaying them. It's being vulnerable. It's, you know, we, we talked about off, off the recording, we talked about divorce, right? And yeah. that's part of it is knowing your journey and where you come from and being able to speak about it and not trying to, there were so many times, especially as a CEO of, a, of an advertising agency, which I've done for you know, 15 years. When I started, I thought the posturing of everything's going to be fine. And I'm this stoic, I know all the answers figure was sort of how I, my mentally, I was, I was sort of approaching things. And as I became more and more knowing uh, myself and being more vulnerable and um, being more of who I truly am, that allows you to be just a much more open person and really giving people a peek behind the kimono of all the things you've been through and who you are and that you don't have the answers and that we're all much more similar than we think. And that's made me become a a better person and a better leader, but who I am as a person, you know, I, I really, I mean, do you want to talk me to talk about work or how I came on Uh, this journey or anything. I mean, I, yeah. How you came on this journey, because I'm curious. Well, one, I love what you said, like be the same person in every room and we're bringing our whole selves very vulnerably to each of those rooms because that's where deep human soulful connection comes from. Right. 
It does. Absolutely does. Yeah. And so I want to get to know and I want our Rebel Souls community to get to know all of Jason, what you're willing to share with us, not just the CEO of Mechanism, because, you know, that's a sexy title, but like, let's get into the yummy stuff. Yeah, that's not who I am, but sure, but that is a sexy title. So, You're right. Uh, it's not who you are. Thank you for saying no, that, by the way, because that's what you do. It's not who you are. So let's talk about who you are. Yeah, I mean, I started I started as a, you know, I grew up in Virginia to two parents that were really academically minded. My, my dad was a professor. My mom was a, she taught um, uh, English as a second language. And they were they were always um, reading and sort of homebodies and real academia intellectuals. And I was this rebel when we talk about rebels, I wanted to go out into the world and like soak it up and experience it. And I didn't learn really by reading, I learned by uh, experiences. And so I was sort of the antithesis of uh, my, my parents. And so I just always, you know, I moved moved to Florida when in between summer breaks uh, to lifeguard when I was like 15 and 16. I, you know, did all kinds of cross country trips and my parents certainly didn't approve. But that was like my my journey of finding out who I was. And I really, you know, music was always a big inspiration. It still is a big inspiration to me. I get a lot of um, role models from from musical icons. Um you know, I talk a lot about David Bowie and David Bowie to me really is sort of the person who transformed me slowly over time to really knowing who I was and what I think is, you know, how I present myself today, which is my true self and, and being an original. And the reason why I learned so much from Bowie is, you know, his story is that he always wanted to be a, a, a rock star. And he was a musician and he got a record label deal. And this was about the time when folk music was really popular. And so Bob Dylan, his record label wanted him to sound just like Bob Dylan. And so he, re- he made a couple folk albums that didn't sell in any way. And they kind of like, you know, uh, the, the record label was like, well, yeah, this isn't going to work. He then quit and went to a monastery he started an experimental film lab. He studied mime. He sort of went on his own journey and then came back as the David Bowie we know today and got a, a new record label deal and just put out music that he could approve, that he wanted to make. And that he leaned into really his weirdness. And he always created these different characters, but they all came from within him. And when I studied Bowie and really got into his music, it really made me realize because of that story, when you follow what other people think you should be doing, you're never going to succeed. When you follow your own path and really go and explore how you want to present yourself and your passions and your interests, that's really when you become the person uh, that you're supposed to be. And for me, role models, looking into musical role models and their journeys, really, I drew inspiration from them. And I think role models help you determine the aspects of um, of learning. It doesn't have to be musical role models. It could be professional role models. It could be historical role models. But that really helped me really frame some of my values. And my values really, um, who I am, they, they come across in the book. It's about being 
really your original self. It's about having a generous personality. It's about being empathetic. And then it's about, it's about giving back. And if you do those four things for me, those, that's my value system. The, everything kind of takes care of itself. You know, what you get, what you get back from the world will take care of itself. If you know your core beliefs and those don't have to be your beliefs. Those are my beliefs that I, that I put in the book. Yeah, I love it. You, I wrote down a quote that to me perfectly summarizes this from your book. You said, you know, the, the kind of personal harmony that comes when your abilities, actions, values, and goals all line up. Like to me, that's like a life well lived, a soulful life is when all of those things align with the principles that you talked about and your own personal values and come together. And your book seems like a really powerful roadmap to get there. And we'll dig into some of that. But I, I thought that was well said. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what it's all about, really. Yeah. And you're showing, uh, well, you're living it every day, right? Because we've got to practice what we preach, especially you talk a lot about inspiration as well, right? When we're out there, I see my role as a public figure of, you know, practicing what I preach and walking the walk and owning my missteps, owning when I fall on my face, owning the fact that I'm human and I still struggle with some of these things, right? I see you yeah, doing that I th- too. I think that's true because you can have a roadmap and a journey and know your value system, but sometimes you fall down, right? And sometimes yeah. you're, you, you've got to be vulnerable enough to admit it, know when you made a mistake and, and then go back on the roadmap, the road you're supposed to be on. You know, yeah. you might fall off the road here and there, but you know the path. And when you, when you know the path, it's much easier to get back on it than when you're still trying to find it or explore it. And I think your, your give back that you touched on is you're trying to light up communities through yeah. what you believe in. And that's really the way that you're, you're giving back uh, your talent and skill and all those values are adding up because you're trying to pass that on and light up a community, you know, that yeah. with, with this idea of rebel soul and pushing people to find it. Yeah. And, and showing people what's possible. And you said this a number of times in your book in different ways, but we are illuminating what's possible. David Bowie illuminated for you and millions and zillions of others. What's possible when you tune into your truth and your weirdness Right. And I, I, there's a, I have a list of things that I want to do as solo episodes. And one of them I wrote the headline was, You can't put baby in a box. And it just like, it, it just makes me think like that's what Bowie was all about. And that's what you're speaking about, right? Like the world tries to put us like, well, do you fit here or here? Whether it's, you know, who we are in the world or what our gender is, or, you know, all the things, right. What we believe in doesn't fit in a fucking box. That's right. That's right. And I think everyone it's, it's the benefit of other people. Everyone wants the, the shorthand, you know, they want to compartmentalize and categorize so that it makes it easier for them. But that's, that's really not, you know, that's limiting. And the whole sabbatical idea, I think is unlimiting people, right? It's, it's saying like, hit, hit your potential and get out of the box, like, which is very challenging and hard to do, especially 
in different situations people find themselves in life. But the, the limiting factor is really your own mind. You know, your own mm-hmm. mind is the limiting factor. And there's, you know, when you think of success stories of people that have gone through way harder things than most people and their mind's so strong that they can, they can make it through the other side. And I think we put so much emphasis on what other people think about us. And, you know, that's something that I've really um, tried to, I'm always on that journey. You know, I'm on, certainly I feel like I have the idea of being original and being myself, but blocking out the, the other, the noise from what you think other people might think about you or say about you is a constant struggle. You know, it's a constant battle yeah. of like, why do we put so much emphasis on, on other people's opinions when our opinion is the one that matters? It's so true. Well, and so let's talk about this because one of the things that I wrote down as I was, as I was thinking about your book and, and what some of the things you vulnerably and beautifully revealed about yourself, what I love about this book is it doesn't read like a dry business book. It reads like a beautiful weaving together. Like you talk about the power of storytelling. You're a phenomenal storyteller, my friend. Sometimes, yes. Yeah, I, try. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Yeah. Own it. Own it. Yeah, and, I'll own it. You're right. Yeah, own it. And I think so in some of it is your own personal story. It's how your, you know, how your life and world was shaped by some of your icons like David Bowie and others that we'll get into. And here's something that I think relates to what you just said. You described yourself as a hardcore doer. When you yeah. were talking about like the, some of the things you love and just how you're wired, right? And you said earlier, I love experiences. I'm the person who wants to be out in the world, having those experiences, taking it all in. And, and a lot of that is doing. And yeah. when you compare that or maybe contrast that with what is it? take to be soulful. So as a doer, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are also doers or might classify themselves in the same way. How do you take the time to be and to really sink in and connect with who you are and your soul and listen deeply to what it's telling you? What does that look like in your life? Yeah, that's a great question because I, I've always, I've always hustled and pushed myself and, and, and move forward. And, um, and seen a lot of success as a result. <laughs> well, yeah, seen a lot of success, but you know, how do we measure success when we're not taking the time to investigate and interrogate what's happening in our lives? And that's something that uh, has been challenging for me to learn and something yeah. that I've had to learn. And, you know, I do a lot of, uh, of, of, of work on it and, um, one big thing that is not breakthrough, your audience has heard it a million times, but commitment to uh, writing things down and journaling has been really beneficial to me. It's, it's, it's how I kind of even started the process of the book. But when you, st- you know, two things, really, when you stop and think um, at the end of the day and you write down sort of lessons from your day and it can be one page, like it doesn't have to be you're writing, you know, for, for 45 minutes. Another or, book. Or nine, yeah, you're not writing another book. You're just saying, what did today bring me? What am I grateful for today? 
and what's something I learned from today. That's my practice. It's really like those two things. Oh, will what, you say those three questions again? Yeah, yeah. I love so, those. You know, what, 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 was, what, was, what made today important? What am I grateful for? And what is my takeaway? What did I learn today? And when you focus it, it's the same thing for me every time I journal. And when you get into that repetitive uh, practice, you're looking out for those things throughout the day because you know you're going to be writing those things down. And so that's really helped me stop and think and grow instead of just bulldozing through yeah. onto the next day and onto the next week and onto the next month, which as you know, from being in this business, it can, it can just keep going. Like there's no, yeah. there's no end. And so you have to stop and do that. And the other thing that, you know, I'm a big believer in is, um, is, is therapy when you find uh, the right person yeah. uh, that you bet that you, uh, you know, I don't know how, if, if you've done therapy or how much therapy you've done, but finding someone that you connect with has been really beneficial for me um, to do check-ins. And when you, when you're going to talk to someone, you need to know what you're going to talk about. So yeah. you need to be checking in with yourself before you talk with that person. And the, the other thing that I've, I started doing, I'm a big believer in, in therapy is I've done um, uh, group therapy, which is you're basically, you know, in a room with nine other strangers and what you're learning about yourself is how you, how you pass judgment on other people. Like what we were talking about yeah. before people you don't even know. And then how other people pass judgment on you. And it's, you don't become bonded with these people or form a friendship. It's more of like the world at large is represented by the people in your group. And it really is a, has been powerful for me to, you know, now I, I can't do it all the time. I have to take breaks from it because it's, it gets up It's intense. Much. Well, as it's somebody intense. who's yeah. deep in coaching communities and yeah. a lot of reflection and lives this life every day, one hell yes to therapy. I've done therapy on my own and I've done couples therapy in the past. Yeah. Um, I believe in all of it. Um, and I, I think that is a powerful way to stay present, to reflect and group therapy. Sometimes I feel like my coaching communities are group therapy. <laughs> yeah, I, bet the, I bet they are. Yeah. Yeah. They, but that, that the power of that reflection and how you see yourself in other stories, man, I cannot recommend that enough to people. And it sounds like that's been your experience. Yeah, definitely. And when you do your work, is your work more, your, the sabbatical stuff's more one-on-one, -on -one, right? Yeah, actually what we're doing is we're shifting right now. So most people in the community will know, but this is a great opportunity to say, I'm shifting away from one-on-one -on -one coaching. I take a few one-on-one -on -one clients a year, but that's it. And I'm shifting dramatically into how can I scale my impact? Because I'm on a mission to liberate a billion souls. And that ain't going to happen through one-on-one -on -one coaching. As right. much as I love being on that really intimate journey with another human, I feel called to do, I'm doing more keynote speaking, launching the community, Soul Circle community at the end of the summer, um, and starting to put more courses out into the world and on and on. So 
um, I'm doing more of that and less of the one-on-one and hoping to have, you know, more of that impact. Right. And the more I share myself to your point about vulnerability and sharing our stories, the more I can share, you know, my struggles and my celebrations with the community, the more we can all grow together and, and challenge each other. That's what I'm looking to do. I, lo- I love that. I think, I think it's built for communities. Very powerful. Yeah. Uh, community allows you to have a voice and share and then learn from others, but it gives you, it gives you this sort of, um, network that, that it's very supportive and it allows you to push forward. And I'm, I'm a big, uh, believer in communities, whether that's, you know, small groups or that's a massive community online, but I, I, I'm a big supporter of that. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's like, find, find your people. Right. And I think I, in fact, I was coaching a client who's an executive at a massive company, uh, yesterday. And she was like, yeah, I'm having a hard time, like finding time for this, you know, very exclusive, you know, female executive community. She joined because she wanted to be around badass, like-minded, you know, strong, successful women. And I'm like, you've got to carve out space. So what a beautiful reminder. I'm glad we're talking about this because for all of us, it's really easy to sit back and say, I don't have time. I don't have time. I don't have time. And I think a big question and one that felt like it was coming up again and again in your book is what are you going to choose to create the time and the space for to live life this way in a way that's truly soulful? Absolutely. And, uh, Time is the, is the hardest commodity, right? It's like finding the time to put yourself first and do the things that you believe in and want to do. It has, it has to be organized and mapped out. It's really challenging, you know, especially uh, based on whatever job or work, or if you're, you know, an executive, it's time is, is really challenging and you have to block it off. You have to do it. You have to do Is that, that how work, you, you know? yeah, I'm always curious, right? Like I'm not Tim Ferriss, you know, trying to, I, I love Tim Ferriss. He's a friend of yours, isn't he? Did you say that in the book? Uh, I did. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Tim Ferriss. And so, you know, my, my, um, rebel souls in my community, like I don't go into all of like the ways to do it. Like, but I love Tim because he just throws himself in and then shares the learnings and all the things. But I'm super curious, like as somebody who wears many, many hats in your life, as most of us do, right? You're a CEO and a father and a partner, you know, and, uh, you know, a philanthropist and like all the things. And there, I'm sure there are many more. How do you you know, what is your system? Maybe a better question. What is your system for creating that space in your life? Yeah. You know, my, my, it's a lot of it is about protecting, protecting your time and having boundaries uh, at work. And, and, and then you can figure out like the kid stuff, your side hustle, you know, all that stuff you can figure out. But the, the, the biggest suck of time is, is for most people is their, are their work hours. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm fortunate enough that, um, I, I don't have, I currently don't have a boss. Right. So I can <laughs> set up some parameters, but anyone can do these things too, in a certain way. But I always carve out, you know, every morning for five days a week, uh, an, an hour in the morning for, for exercise, which I firmly believe in. It's, it's more for me, um, 
not about being physically fit, but it really helps me be mentally fit. A hundred percent. And yes. it, it's like fitness to me is about more the mind than the body. Um, and I just am not the same if I'm not, if I'm not doing that on a regular basis. So I carve out that in my schedule. And then Monday through Thursday, I talk in my book about um, not letting relationships drop to zero and reaching out to people and expanding your network, both personally and professionally. And so I'll put, you know, protect my calendar for uh, blocks at 1030 every um, Monday through Thursday. Well, I'll reach out to, you know, two or three people in my network sort of per day. And so that's one way. Uh, it's good hygiene because you're not you're not going, oh, I got to connect with that person. I got to remember to do that. Yeah. You're actually creating it and blocking out space. So calendar blocking uh, is a really good use of, of making sure work works around you. Um, and then protecting, I protect my weekends. So I won't, unless it's really, really, really dire, I really won't do any, any work on the weekends. And that's really where I can impact um, and focus on my kids or, or something that I'm working on individually, um, or doing something with, you know, with Lindsay. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, it's really just making, um, a habitual practice of putting a couple of things in place that really helps protect your time and allows you to focus on yourself, uh, without any, you know, don't bend on any of that stuff. Like that has to be locked in and then people figure out how to work around it. Yeah, I always say self first is not selfish. Yeah. And you've just you've just, you know, really powerfully articulated that cuz it's really easy especially as women. I don't know if you see this in the women in your life, but we tend to like be taught to be people pleasers and bend over backwards and serve everyone else's agenda but our own. And there are men and women alike who listen to this podcast, but I want for all of us to say, you know what? I can't serve the world if I'm not serving myself. And that's what you just described. It's true. And I, I think you're right. And it, it, it is a, it, it is a gender thing, you know, a bit like, I think women are either wired or they're, or it's either nature or nurture, but they are more about how can I help other people? Yeah. And they're, they're they put less emphasis on, on their needs um, as a whole, you know, that's generalization, but yeah. it does feel like, feel like that. And I think that has to be, you know, you, you can find time for other people. It's almost like in, in finance, right? Like when you get a paycheck, make sure you're putting money for yourself away first before yeah. you take care of all the other bills that you have to take care of. It's the same thing with your personal life. You have to make sure you, you take time for yourself and then you can take time for other people. And it's really about organizing it and blocking it off. And it, it sucks because like reaching mentally reaching out to your friends, you don't think needs to be organized or performed like a work function. But if you don't, it will get lost. It's <laughs> you not going to happen, do, right? If you don't do that for yourself, it'll never happen because you're, you're then organizing work and family and other things, uh, but not organizing things for yourself. So it has to fall into the same bucket, really. I love that. You said something earlier that made me think like, how do you, Jason Harris, define success? Because I, my whole mission around, around Soulbatical is rewriting the script of success. And it's going to look different for you versus me versus Lindsay versus anyone listening to this podcast right now. And I'm really curious, what does that 
What does that look like? What does it mean to you? Yeah, I mean, success for me is really trying to find uh, what makes what makes me happy, you know, yeah. and on a daily basis. And it's not, it's not, you know, financial. It's not. Uh, I put a book out. How well does the book do? It's not. Um, what what accolades can I get? Those are nice, you know. Those are important. Those make us feel good. But it's really on my day to day. Am I being true to who I am? And as a whole, am I in a situation? Have I put myself in a situation where I wake up every day and I'm feeling excited and happy and blessed? And if I can do that, not every day, but predominantly, if that's the feeling I have, then I feel like I've, I've hit success. You're on Um, the path. I'm on the path. Yeah. So that's really how I measure it. How do you measure it? That's so powerful. So I say, you know, what does a successful life look like? And full is fulfillment. So I used to believe when I was in the corporate world that success and fulfillment were mutually exclusive. And I realized that it was because I was doing, you know, I was doing success in quotes on somebody else's terms. And now I believe it's very similar to how you just defined it. I say, I, in, in my terms, rebel for it's, am I being true to who I am creating what I want and having the impact in the world, in my life and business in the world that I want. And I look at those three things because that's really authenticity, courage, and purpose. And they're the pillars of my life and my work. And I love that. I see that as like a beautiful intersection with your work. Yeah, that's really true. It's, it's very similar. Um, and I've always struggled with, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm a hardcore doer, as you mentioned. <laughs> so I'm always struggling with like, what's the next thing that I'm going to accomplish and what's the next thing. And I always have to balance that with, um, it's, it's good to have goals, right? It's good to be ambitious. Yeah. But if, if you're, if it's hollow ambition, if you're just doing ambition for the next thing, you're never going to find contentment because you're always going to be looking for, I crossed that off. That felt okay. What's the next goal? So it's a balance for me uh, mentally of trying to stay ambitious, but realize the the here and now is about happiness and fulfillment and still try to do more things and accomplish more things. You have a a, a big audacious goal, right? Yeah. Of a billion souls. And that doesn't mean you're not going to be happy until you reach that. That means even after you've done a one-on-one that's been successful, you're happy about that but you keep the the fire going for a bigger goal. But that doesn't mean that you're unhappy until you reach that goal. So I'm always struggling with ambition and and present day happiness. I love that. Yeah. And that's tension, right? I think that's creative tension and nobody probably knows creative tension better than you do. Given what you, You're always trying to find that tension. Yeah. Well, and I do, I'll be honest, like, here's a vulnerable share. I just, I was, uh, I became really close with my book coach. She's become a very good friend. And um, soon in the next couple of months, we're going to start working on book number two. Awesome. And the other, thank you. And the, and I want to know if you're Do you have a name for it? Do you have a name for it? Not, not yet, but I think okay. it's going to be about rebel leadership. So okay, how do we cool. take this idea of, you know, doing things a completely different way, especially after the pandemic, right? Where people have really woken up to what matters most, 
what did I love that the pandemic ushered into my life unsolicited? And how do I want to carry some of that going forward? And when I think about the business world, leadership culture, corporate culture, all of that, it's time for a fucking shakeup. Like it's time for change. Totally agree. I love that. Yeah. So I think it's going to be something it's kind of building off of the principles of actually, I'm going to, I'll send you, I send this out to my community all the time, but I wrote a rebel leaders manifesto, which oh, is sort of the, 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 fl- the flag that I've been waving um, or the torch I've been carrying. However you want to talk about it. I'm going to send it to you after this. And oh, I'll put that's a, awesome. I'll put right, a link again in the show notes for anybody who's new. So let's dive more into your book. I love that you've been peppering some of the awesomeness from your book and the principles of what soulful, you know, what it means to, you know, soulfully persuade. And you you said early on, and I loved it. It's like, you're kind of taking the, the yuck and the sting out of that word, you know, persuasion, because especially as somebody who spent a long time, like decades in the advertising and marketing world, like what we thought about as persuasion always felt kind of gross, you know, like the, you say it, I think in the beginning of the book, like the very used car salesman kind of vibe. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and you've taken it into a world where I'm like, Oh, I love this. I can eat it up. And what I guess what, before we dive deep, one of the things I want to say to everybody who's listening right now is I think the beauty of this book, Jason, is that I read it and thought, how does this apply to my life? It isn't, I mean, yes, of course, it's a business book because there's a lot of, you know, there are a lot of powerful lessons around, you know, making brands more human and relatable and engaging and all of that. And to me, there were a lot of life lessons about how we engage in the world and have a fucking impact. Definitely. That's a, that's, that's a big thread of it. And so, you know, the idea was that, um, how, how we're, we're persuading whatever we do. And, you know, I'm, I'm at sort of the tip of the spear because I'm persuading brands hire my company to persuade the audience to become part of that brand community. Yeah. And or PS some really iconic brands, <laughs> some good brands or, or that product or service and buy whatever they're selling. Yeah. Um, but flip that into our personal lives and we are all persuading and being influential and no matter what we do, you know, you're, you're doing it in, in your work, you're doing it through the podcast, you're doing it in your personal life, whether yeah. it's, you know, when, when you're talking to someone about going on a trip and where they want to go or where you're going to go to dinner or for people listening, it's, you know, the promotion they want or the job they're trying to get or doing something with their partner or their children or, you know, friends and so all day long, we're, we're persuading personally and, and professionally. Yeah. And so I, I, I put that down as like, hey, this, this is a fact of life. And to be more influential, there's ways you can go about it. And the book's really about, it's not about facts and argument and persuading. It's about personal character. And this to me is um, how I found success is through knowing, knowing what I believe in and developing personal character to get influence and, and persuasion, it, both in, in my personal life and, and business life. And I tried to add the soulful part of it because part of being inspirational and persuasion and part of what I'm rebelling for is this phil- philanthropic idea of doing taking your skills and giving them away and doing something positive in the world 
because guess what? It's like boomerang giving. It makes you feel better. You're doing it for yourself, but you're also doing it for other people and people you don't even know, but you're helping other people. And so, you know, I've taken the skills of advertising to start a, a something called the Creative Alliance, which is now about a hundred companies that do uh, free work for, you know, sexual assault prevention, gender equality, um, getting more people to vote. So a lot of, a lot of sort of uh, good attributes, social good, uh, people donate their time and energy because of the skill I have at this point is, is marketing and advertising. That's what I've sort of put in my 10,000 hours against, yeah. you know, yeah. I could have done yeah. something else. Maybe I wish it was guitar, but it wasn't, it was, it was this. And so anyone out there, whatever skill you have, you can take that skill and find a way to take that skill and do something positive for the world. And that's going to really hit that idea of, of you becoming a more soulful, persuasive person. I love this. It's like combining generosity and impact. And I yeah. thought one of the really cool things about the way you wrote the book, you've got the four characteristics. You've got the, you know, be original, be generous, be empathetic, be soulful. We'll touch on, we'll make sure we touch on a little bit on all of those. And what I thought, like, as I got deeper into the book and you go through each one of those and the habits around each one of those, I thought, God, there's so much like, there's so much overlap. These build on each other and connect on each other. And what you just described is generosity and impact combined, right? It's it generosity is, and soulfulness. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's so can we is. talk about how you, before you started the Creative Alliance, one of my all-time favorite um, stories that you tell in the book and maybe you can touch a little bit on the power of yeah, storytelling because sure. that's part of it. So there's the power of storytelling in the soulful art of persuasion. And then there is positivity and yeah, your story around yeah. Biden and his power of positivity and that, how that pulled you into, it seemed like kind of pulled you into this philanthropic work in the first place. Yeah. It was the first time I had ever done it. Yeah. yeah. So can you right. talk about that? Like that story to me was so powerful and it just brought to life um, this characteristic. Yeah, sure. So it was when um, now President Biden was vice president and, and it was with the Obama administration. And I think it was um, 2014. But this is so I had gotten to a point in my career where, you know, we had great brands, the the company was, was, was pretty successful. And I had gotten to a point where I said, all right, so I guess this is it. You know, I'm just going to be in the advertising marketing world. I'm sure that happened in your career too. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. I'm good at running a company, but that's like my legacy. Like that's it. Like that's what my life is going to be. I mean, my career life, I guess that's okay. Like I'm happy with it, but it, it felt a little, uh, hollow, right? Like I didn't yeah. feel completely fulfilled. And so that was happening at the same time. We got a call from uh, the then White House uh, to come in and meet with, with Biden because he was putting together um, some work to combat sexual assault on college campuses, which one in five women are sexually assaulted typically in their freshman or sophomore year. And so um, I didn't really know what it was about. 
we had done some work for Axe. Remember Axe body spray? Yeah, yeah. Where it was like you spray the Axe on, the women come flocking to you. And someone it's like pheromones <laughs> in a can. It's like, yeah, it's like ridiculous. <laughs> it's like ridiculous hyperbole. And so uh, someone on his staff, a younger person who knew, knew the work was like, well, if we're doing a sexual assault campaign to talk to college men, what if we used an agency that, you know, basically did, uh, you know, suggestive work targeting men to, to make sure women found them attractive. And so he found our work and then we got called in and I went there and it was in the Roosevelt room and he had, uh, you know, someone from men's health and GQ and major league baseball. And he had all these people around this table. And what I, what I really learned from him was the power of, of practicing positivity and storytelling. And he won me over to do free work, which we've been doing since 2014. The campaign's still alive and kicking. It's on 500. There's chapters on 500 colleges and universities across the country. So I'm talking, what is that? Like we're seven years in yeah. of like, of doing this like social good work. And pouring your heart and soul into it. This isn't like, you know, paper pushing. <laughs> no, no. We're, we're like active doing a ton of work and uh. it's been a, it's, been a real journey, but I had never thought about taking my skills and, and doing something positive. And he just, the way he told the story, he didn't, you know, he didn't say to me, you know, you're, you're an advertising guy. Aren't you sick of selling, you know, deodorant and sneakers? Why, why don't you do something good for a change? He really said, imagine, imagine the possibilities, you know, imagine if we can save these young men and women, imagine the the impact we could have. Imagine if you could use those skills and do something really positive and, and make a big impact. Wouldn't that be amazing? And the way he he made it such a um, a positive uh, approach and and sort of he inspired and influenced me. And I said yes on the spot. And then I had to go back and talk to my CFO. Who, yeah. You know, I still I still have to hear from. But we just dedicated a team and we just did it and it. The impact it had internally on the company and the way it made me light up, I just wanted to keep doing more and more of that type of work. And, you know, I do owe it to, to Biden for sort of getting, getting that philanthropy going and realizing even an ad man can have the skill to do something good. You know, even, <laughs> even, even though people look at advertising as a, a negative business, uh, oftentimes um, it made me realize anyone, you know, a hairdresser can do it. You know, uh, a teacher can do it. Uh, someone who's great at basketball can do it. Whatever your skill is out there, you can find a way to impact people with it and to give away your skills to make the world a better place. And that really, that really changed my life. Yeah. Well, and it's changing a lot of lives, right? So I always talk about the new definition of ROI being ripples of impact. And it seems like you're having massive ripples of impact in the work you're doing because it changed how you think about your skill set and your talent and your work, yours personally and the agency and the industry. And then it changed a lot of women's lives because what you guys created is the It's On Us campaign that you were, I, I didn't remember if we said that what it was called. No, but I don't think I ever said it. But yeah, that yeah. was a campaign that we created. And the idea behind it was that it's basically, it's on all of us to know when something's happening and step in and not be a bystander. 
and and not be afraid to make an impact. And we're still, it's still a struggle. You know, sexual assault still happens all over. And now in September, when people go back to campus, yeah, you know, we're coming out with with a with a new uh, campaign so that all the chapters can hold rallies and organize against it and try to get men to really change uh, their behavior and, and step in. And, um, you know, it's, it's always, it's a constant challenge, but we're still, we're still at it. I love it. And then that led to the creation of the creative Alliance. Like once your soul was lit up around doing this work and you're like, Oh wait, I can do this and I can, you know, have an even bigger impact in the world. That's when you started bringing the industry together around more of these causes. Right. Yeah. It was really, it was really a business, a business reason and, and, a, and a personal reason. So the business reason was we can't run a business by just doing social good campaigns, although it'd be amazing if we could, uh, but we can't. But also imagine my, my colleagues and friends at all these other agencies, they could have the same experience that I'm having and they could yes. also do more of that type of work. And so, you know, we, we have a team now of like six people work on it full time and they work with all kinds of agencies and media companies and, you know, I think we run like about eight campaigns a year. That's amazing. And you tell the story, you, you, I think you kind of alluded to him, but you tell the story of Josh Coombs. Am I saying his name right? Yeah. 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 I love how the, so the simplicity of, so Josh basically went out. He was like, I want to make a difference. I see the homeless problem that we have. Is he over in London? He's in London. I'm going to introduce you guys so you can have him on. I would love that. I am so fascinated by his work. The reason why I wanted to tell the story is, well, one, I'm just incredibly impressed by like his just drive to help, his drive to make an impact in the world. Because that's what I say, like flip the middle finger to the status quo. That's what this is about. And you see something that you want to change. And he was like, well, I I cut hair. Like I'm a hairstylist. How can I make an impact on homelessness? And for anybody who doesn't follow him, go follow him on Instagram. Josh Coombs will put the link in the show notes. But the advice that he gives that you share in the book is so simple. It rocked my world. And I want to repeat it like, and you said it, it's like, you guys, for all of us, write down three things that you're good at and write down three things that you're passionate about. And then start connecting the dots. Think about how those things line up. Where are the various places that those connect? And then just take one tiny step toward doing something, right? Yeah, it makes it really doable. You know, yeah. if you're, you're, whatever you're good at, whatever skills you have, you're great at chess, you know, you know how to knit, whatever it is, like write down your three skills, write down three things in the world that you want to work on or change. And then you stare at that paper long enough, something will come to you. And, you know, his story was so inspirational, you know, talk about role models. He started doing, um, on one lunch break, he went out and cut one homeless person's hair. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, the next day he did two people and then he did one day a week, he would do that. And, And he was, he's based in London. Then soon it was a week out of a month, he would do it. And soon he was traveling the world, you know, making homeless people uh, uh, feel better about their appearance, but also letting them tell their story to him so that they felt like they had, you know, someone that, that listened to them. And he, 
you know, he's making big changes. And it's really amazing how he used a skill of I can cut hair to make an impact with the, with homeless people. It's really, really powerful. And remind, I think he just published a book, right? Like telling the stories of deep human connection. Do you have it right there? I do. It's called yes, do, so- do something it. for nothing. Yeah. So that's his big uh, push, but yeah. I love awesome. it. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we'll put a link to that too. And I would love, I'd love to meet him and have a conversation. So let's talk about, um, I was just looking at the list. So you're, you've got the four characteristics. And then what I love is that your book is inspirational and practical all at the same time. So you talk about 11 habits that support those four characteristics. We've, we've talked about a lot of them without really even calling them out necessarily. There was another one that I was really intrigued by. It's, it's selfishly, it's kind of where our work again sort of meshes up. And that's in the area of skill hunting and this mindset of skill hunting. And I, so I love the way that you frame this because you're, you're teaching us this new mindset that isn't on either one of the extremes, right? So the extremes are like life hacking, which I talk about in my book too. I'm like, life is for living, not for hacking. Hello, right? So I love that you say on one stream, there's that. And then on the other extreme, there's struggle porn, which might be my favorite new phrase ever. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't coin that. There was a writer that uh, wrote wrote a story that I got that from, but but yes, uh, life hacking and struggle porn are on polar opposites. One is one is a shortcut, fastest way to yeah. whatever skill you want. And struggle porn is just work 100 hours a week until you master something. Yeah, right? which which you're going to burn out before you master the thing. So don't do it, right? So yeah, what, don't do it. Talk to us about skill set or sorry, skill, skill hunting, yeah. the mindset of skill hunting, because I was like, this is such a cool way to think about what we do in the world. Yeah, it's just a practice that I really believe in, which is, um, you know, you might when we talked about the skills you're good at or the skills you've mastered, you're going to have those and you'll hold on to those forever. But every two or three years, I like to. um no matter you know what age, I'm always going to be doing this, hunting out new skills. Uh, something that I, in the back of my mind, I feel like I could have a passion for, say, photography or yeah. boxing or cooking or whatever it might be or chess. And trying to every two or three years, you're not trying to boil the ocean and do everything at once, but you find one of those skills. Like over the pandemic, uh, you know, I, I don't really cook, never have really focused on, on that one. Right. And then before a couple of years ago, I, I picked up boxing, which is still a practice I do uh, I quite often. Boxing. Yeah, it's oh. the best. I know it's the best way to get a lot of stuff in your, in your head, and your heart out. But um, I say that it's therapy. That's another version of therapy for me I think personally. I think it's great therapy, but the idea of skill hunting is always two or three years hunting out one new skill. So you're developing a passion and your life is sort of defined by continuous proficiency. And the value of skill hunting is remembering that you have to go through the suck and you have to go through that part that is horrible where you don't know anything and you're, you're terrible and you're falling down and you're frustrated and you burn something or you get your ass kicked or you lose or whatever it is. It's like, 
getting through that period is just a great reminder of how powerful going through something is and learning the learning process. And so it makes you humble and it makes you that much more um, grateful when you get to the end of a period and you, you might not like pick up the bass and all of a sudden you're like the best bass player in the world after two years, but you're going to understand it enough to have uh, the mechanics down and you'll be somewhat proficient. It's not about being amazing. It's about being proficient, but going through that process every couple of years and just do it with one thing. Don't try to take on like, I'm going to learn, you know, karate and whatever, uh, I'm going to become a Scrabble master. Yeah. You can't do all those things at once. Just do one of them every couple of years uh, over your life. And, and I think it's, for me, it's been really humble and, and, and powerful. I love that you say that because I'm a big believer that it's like, it's not the thing, right? Whether it's cooking or guitar or boxing or chess or whatever it is, it's the journey of who you become and what you learn in trying to master that thing or in learning that thing. And it reminds us of beginner's mindset. It reminds us that it's okay not to know and not to have all the answers because we have to get curious. We have to be humble. All the things that you just said. I love that. Like to me, that was just a big like, holy shit, how do I get more of that back in my life when I read that in the book? Yeah, and you have to be focused on, okay, this is the year I'm going to tackle this thing. I'm going to train yeah. for a marathon or whatever the, whatever the thing is, doesn't even matter the thing to your point. It's going through the process of it and going yeah. through the suck to come out the other side. It's, it's really fantastic for you and it's cleansing and it's great. And it's easy to say, all right, this, this, this time I'm going to skip this period and not do yeah. anything, but you know, don't do that. Like pick something and, and go after it and, and then move yeah. on. Well, and it ties back to where we started, which is it's a reason to get present, to create space for something that's a priority, to get us out of the busy and say, I'm going to focus on something and go deep. I mean, it ties all of those pieces together. So that's why it really popped to me is like, wow, that could really just help us sink in a little deeper and become a little more soulful. I think it it dovetails into your work too, where you're a lot of it is about putting you first and putting your priorities first. And I think that can help people, you know, carve that out and schedule it and recognize it and take the lessons they need and, you know, build that, build that skill. Um, I think that that helps prioritize yourself because it's something you want to learn and it's your own journey. I love that. I love that. Okay. So my last question, and it's a bit of a double header. I was thinking as you were talking about mastering cooking, or at least giving cooking a shot during the pandemic, right? That was your, you know, at least one of the things that you were um, skill hunting at the time. You wrote this book before the pandemic. You wrote and published it before the pandemic. I'm curious, as you look at it now, is there anything you would add or anything in particular that you would dial up now that we've all been through the crazy of the past 15 months? Oh my God, such a good question. And one that I've never been asked and I haven't haven't thought about it. Um, But I think, um, no, I don't know that, I don't know what it would be. I mean, I think 
I think the only thing that really enhanced it for me is, um, you know, principle three is empathetic and it's about having a natural curious curiosity about other people. It's about being collaborative. It's about realizing that as humans, we're all basically the same and we're not that different. So finding those, those commonalities and it's really allowed me um, really as a leader, as you think about the rebel leader thing that you were mentioning, um, having gone through that collectively, you know, with everybody yeah. in the world, really, it's really allowed me to be a more empathetic leader with all the people that I work with and all the people that are you know, surrounding yes. in my life. Because there, I don't think anyone went through that that didn't have some type of mental hurdle or challenge or, um, you know, to different degrees, some type of uh, not, maybe not even depressive necessarily, but some type of challenge that we all mentally had to go through um, at, collectively. I don't think that's yeah. ever happened, you know, in the, in the world before, except whatever, a hundred something years ago. And so I think that um, I would, I would probably would have written about how um, that use that as a, as an example or a vehicle of how we're all similar and um, on a, on a sort of solo, but shared journey together. Um, yeah. But it's changed me and made me a more, uh, empathetic leader for sure. Absolutely. I love that. And that was a good opportunity to weave in like the empathetic characteristic too, because I love how you talk about commonalities versus differences and finding those commonalities and the example. So, so for anyone who's going to pick up this book, and I highly recommend picking up this book, I love that music is is like a continuing theme. You, you use so many, like your passions and your soul are in this book and use so many great music examples. And the hip hop example, like hip hop was a commonality that brought people together. And that's, that was so cool. And you just made me think about that. And the pandemic is now another example of something that brought us together and established, uh, hey, we're all fucking human. This is a universal experience. Absolutely. And we all went through it together. Yeah. We all absolutely. went through it together. So is there going to be a book number two? I got to serve the question back to you. Yes, there is. I'm working on it now. Any little teaser you can give us or no? Not, not, not yet. Okay. But it needs a lot of work. I'll put it that way. Like it's, I'm still in the, you know, that, that process where you're kind of have the idea, but it's not quite crystallized. Uh-huh. I'm still, I'm still, yeah, I'm in that process um, where I'm, I'm kind of still in the research concepting phase. And, you know, this book took me uh, from when I had that concept, it took me three years. So for me, it's, it does not happen. There's no six months. Uh, and it's done for me. It's, it, it takes, you know, two to three years to create one of these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's a labor of love. It really is. And we know how the, yeah, it's, it's a labor of love and you're doing it for the community. You know, you're doing this book for, for your community and for the next community you're building the world and for the world. And, um, but it's also an amazing um, personal journey and the things you learn about yourself as you work on it. Um, it benefits you and it benefits other people, right? Yeah. As my coach says, and I just interviewed her for the podcast last week, she says, you know, it's, it's who we get to become 
in the process of embodying our dreams. I love that. Isn't that powerful? That is so amazing. Abby Gibb, drop the mic. And it's exactly what you're doing. I'm entirely sure it's what you did in the process of writing this book. I know it's the process I went through in writing Sylbatical. We'll both be on, we'll be on that boat again as we're writing books number I two. I love that. That's yeah. so like, that's such a hard concept to encapsulate that, that easily. Oh, she's ah, magic really with, with words. Abby Gibb is amazing. Okay. Now I'm going to let you go, but I have to ask you this because it's been on my mind this whole time. Has anybody ever told you that you look like the character Rip on Yellowstone? No, I've never, I've never seen Yellowstone. Oh my God. Well, first of all, Yellowstone is phenomenal. It is really, if you're looking for a binge worthy show, beautiful because it's set in Montana and it's the story of, you know, generations, family ranch, whatever. And there's Kevin Costner, right? Kevin Costner. And there's a particular, one of the main characters is one of the cowboys on his ranch. Who's, you know, also with his daughter. And, um, he's like, he's sort of like the sexy heartthrob of the show. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Mm -hmm. And there was like, I was looking at you the whole time. I'm like, Oh my God, he's the urban rip. (laughs) Oh my God. It is the ultimate compliment. I appreciate that. If Rip lived in Tribeca, that would be. If Rip lived in Tribeca and ran an agency, he would be Jason Harris. And so, yeah, you got to at least go look up pictures. If uh, maybe one of my skill hunting will be how to break in a horse. There you go. I've never, I've never been, I've never been on a dude ranch. Oh my God. Well, maybe start with an amazing dude ranch. Yeah. yeah I'll give you a, a recommendation. So a friend fun. of mine just got back from like a relay and Chateau dude ranch out in Montana that I cannot remember the name of right now, but I'll shoot it to you. Have you ever and done that before? No, no, that's no. on my kind of, that's on my wish list of, I have wanderlust all the time, but yeah, yeah. doing that, doing that, I got to find the right partner. So that's my next thing. Got to find my, yeah, there you go. You <laughs> got to find your right. <laughs> All right. This has been awesome. Jason, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your soul with us in this community. And to everybody who's listening, thanks to you guys. Stay bold, brave, and badass until next week. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. Hey, Rebel. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review so our fellow Rebel souls can find us. We have big work to do together. And if you want to dive deeper, head on over to my website at sylbatical.com and follow me at sylbatical on Instagram. Until next time, stay bold, brave, and badass, and never stop asking, what am I rebelling for?